How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On NBA from Fan Rad Sports is Takoops. It's Zach Harper. It's going to be so fun talking to Zach Fan Locked On NBA. I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have you found your favorite NBA team's daily podcast already have you already subscribed on itunes or android for your favorite nba team please do these guys are working hard doing great work and when big stories break the local angle is always the best incredible work last week by locked on bulls with sam smith with jerry krause's path sing Incredible stories. If you didn't hear that episode uh, earlier this year, Jake Madison and Locked On Pelicans, when the biggest trade was made, he had the fabulous breakdown of what it meant. And Jason Ross and the Kings gave the Kings perspective on things. So when the big playoff series are coming, when the big stories happen, the local angle locked on podcast network for all those guys. Today's show, Zach Harper joins us. He's at Fan Rag Sports. He's very popular here on the pod. You guys have listened to him before, listened to him quite a lot, so I hope you're excited to have that. As always, if you could send him a little thank you at, at Talk Hoops, it makes a big difference. You guys are great about that. And the other thing you're terrific about is supporting our sponsors. I got notification last week from Bloom that you did uh, su- that you were really, really supportive of all their Valentine's Day uh, work. I've gotten word from Indochino that uh, a lot of people have been supportive. And I got word from Warby Parker as well. So thank you so much. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek and Indochino, uh, the made-to-measure suit company. If you have not tried out, I'm actually about to order one, uh, another one, because I... Uh, I caught the side of my pocket in the pant. Just such a bummer. I'm pissed about it. Actually, uh, I caught the side of my pockets of my pants of a suit while we were getting in the bus on a road trip, and it just absolutely torched my uh, pants. I don't think they're recoverable. So total bummer. So today's show is brought to you by Indochino. If you use the promo code Locked at checkout. Uh, you get 50% off the regular price of a made-to-measure premium suit. They're just $389. I'd strongly suggest it. I really think you'll you'll be very, very pleased with that. And then SeatGeek and the promo code LOCKED gets you $20 back at the uh, check. After your first purchase, they'll send you $20 back as a rebate. As a rebate. As a rebate. As a rebate. Okay, let's do it. Zach Harper. You can read him now at Fan Rag Sports. Fan Rag Sports is where Zach Harper is. They have done a great job. John Heyman is killing it at Fan Rag Sports on the baseball front of things, breaking stories right and left. And Fan Rag Sports is really building a solid, good job network. And Zach is now the lead NBA guy there, which is where you can get his great work. So make sure you check him out at Fan Rag Sports. All right, let's get it to Zach Harper. We're going to have a lot of fun with this conversation. We'll start east, we'll go west, and we'll talk some all-NBA stuff at the end. Here's Zach Harper. Well, Zach, uh, always a pleasure to have you, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, 
you know, they love you. The numbers are big. Only surpassed by Pelton, really, is the story. You're, you're, you know, we Pelton all, surpasses me? Oh, Pelton surpasses the world. Wow. I know. Like yeah, he's, I, I mean, he's a machine, and I feel like he's, he's hacked in. He's just bumping those numbers up. He might be. But I, you know, this is the thing that's hard for me. And, I, you know, Pelton won't listen to this, so we can rag on him. The other day, <laughs> he trolled me on Twitter. Like, no one has ever trolled me before. He was totally right, too. This is a guy that used to be, like, my stats guy on games and could not have been more, like, like, had you told me when I first met Kevin Pelton he was going to be an ESPN bigwig stats guru star? I mean, no way. Not possible. Like. He's amazing. I mean, he he just cranks out piece after piece after piece, and they're all good. Like, there's not really a dip in, in quality with all of his production. So I just uh, – I, I believe that he has interns across the board just pumping up numbers, getting getting information to him. There's a, it's the only explanation. I think he, you know, I think he has interns in his head. Like, he's just that incredible. All right. <laughs> let, let's – so anyway, that was supposed not to be an ode to Pelton. Uh, it was – and I really would rather pick on Pelton than, you know, have an ode to him. Because uh, I'm just that mean guy. Uh, let's instead get to what's going on in the league. And this is the time of year that really flummoxes me. Because if you look at every kind of past research, what happened in the first 20 games is a far better indicator than what happens in the last 20 games to what's about to happen in the playoffs. But it's pretty hard to ignore when San Antonio goes and beats Cleveland by 30. Right? I mean that was a shellacking. It, it was such a it was such a lopsided score that you had to double check and make sure that the the big three for Cleveland actually you know started that game and played. So Brooklyn has a better March record than Cleveland. Do we should that be like should we be is the East wide open? Like how far are we willing to take this right now? Well, I mean, I guess. Who do you consider to be the threat in the East? Is it Boston? Because they don't really have a good track record over the last two years. Now, granted, they've had kind of a, you know, just a, an okay roster, and the roster is certainly better this year. But they, you know, they really haven't shown anything the last two years to make us think that they'll be a playoff threat. Um, Toronto, I really like Toronto, but we don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to be, you know, healthy and a hundred percent or even you know eighty percent once he comes back. And then, you know, Washington's really good, but they might just be regular season good. Um, so I don't really know I don't really know who to take seriously as a true threat to a team that still has LeBron on it. And that seems to be such a an easy, you know, cop out of like, well, they have LeBron, we have to trust them. But they, this team does still have everything you would want in a in a playoff team. They've got, you know, the outside shooters, they've got the role players that step up, they've got, you know, a couple of stars who can really take over games. They have the do-it-all big man who protects the rim and rebounds and crashes the offensive glass, all that stuff, and sets you know, illegal screens that are somewhat legal. Did they have everything that you would want? And I don't see any other team kind of matching that formula. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for just a moment or two for the sake of argument, because I actually think, uh, well, frankly, LeBron and the Spurs have both reached the same status for me. Like anyone who ever choose, picks against them is an idiot until, and I've you know done it, both times Um, at this point, like you just, how many times do you have to like, just decide, okay, until you finally die officially with no breath in the world of basketball, we are, 
I am no longer doubting you. I think both of them have earned that status. But let me play devil's advocate on LeBron and why maybe the idea that someone, like, hey, they have LeBron. He's played 41,000 when 12 minutes t- tonight he, or tomorrow when they play. He'll play 41,000 career regular season minutes. To the best of my knowledge, and there's a little gray area here depending on who you think the lead dog of the Boston Celtics was, there has never been a leading player ever to play over 40,000 minutes and lead his team to a title. Yeah, I mean, that's he's played an incomparable amount of of minutes, right? Like, I mean, and it's, I don't know, maybe he's getting tired now. Like, he does look a little slower, but that could also just be, look, I, I don't have to be really that good in, until a month from now. So, why, you know, why is he, I don't think they're worried about, you know, the two seed versus the one seed. So I think he should rest as much as he can, even if he's playing. Uh, but, I mean, that is still a damning statistic of this guy has to be too tired at some point. I mean, seven, just seven the, straight just finals the, just would, the, be, would be ridiculous. Right. Six, six straight is ridiculous. Right, and we're not even talking about – I haven't. Even, I, that doesn't even count playoff minutes. Now, most guys who've ever played 40,000 minutes are so good that they have a ton of playoff minutes. But, like, if you go back and look at Kobe, like, after he hit 40,000 minutes, he just – he was a shadow. Garnett in, had a little bit of an impact there. But you look at these guys that have been great players. When they cross over the career number of 40,000, which he did this season, doesn't happen anymore. And then you couple that with the fact that – you know what? When LeBron, Kyrie is unbelievable. He's the best one-on-one player in the league. But for whatever reason, right, when he's on the floor by himself, they're not good. Yeah, because he's a one-on-one player. And it's still a five-on-five game. I mean, that's kind of the problem, right? It's like, is, is Kyrie is spectacular in these little spots, but as a lead guy, and I don't even know if it's fair because the team isn't constructed for him to be a lead guy, but as a lead guy, he's never really shown that consistent I can carry this team to victories and now he doesn't have to be but LeBron does need those stretches where Kyrie can just take over and LeBron can kind of play second or third fiddle just move the ball you know play some free safety on defense I mean really the problem is is that the defenders around him and this isn't you know some new angle everyone's talking about this but the defense just keeps getting worse and you want them to be building towards at least you know maintaining consistent play that doesn't look like 120 points given up every night. But the big point you make originally here is we have to believe that somebody else is good enough to take them out. Right. And really what happened a year ago was by the wear and tear factor was so much lower on Cleveland than it was on Golden State by the time they got to the they got to the end that they they were you know and they hard you know they hardly play right instead of well LeBron, I remember the telling note was like LeBron had played I don't remember it at all exactly but he played something like you know he played seven games in twenty six days or something like that right and that right and that's the telling um, that's what jumps out to me all right let me go to my one thought on why Washington is real okay okay. Washington's starting five has played 1,265 minutes together this year, which is the most of any starting five in the NBA, I think, if I'm correct. And they, ha- they are plus 9.2. Of lineups have played over 200 minutes this year. That's the sixth best in the NBA, seventh best in the NBA. 
they, in the playoffs, will they be able to run that lineup even more? Because the only reason Washington's not any better than they already are is because they have to play that hodgepodge group of not very good bench players that has never gelled all season long. I mean, I that's I like I think John Wall is spectacular, right? And I think Bradley Beal is a spectacular second guy. Who's the third guy? I mean, is it Otto Porter? And do you trust Otto Porter to be an impact player? Um, you know, throughout the slug of the of the playoffs, is it is it Marquise Morris? Is it Marcin Gortat, who's who's a really nice role player? I mean, they do have this this incredible lineup, not in terms of personnel, but in terms of regular season versus how I think they may face against a LeBron team in the playoffs is, you know, wasn't that Indiana Pacers lineup amazing? Like that was like the best lineup in basketball for a couple of years in the regular season. And then it came time to like, do you have the guy who can slow down LeBron? I just don't know that Washington has that guy who can challenge LeBron. Are we doubting Isaiah Thomas just because he's, we just don't believe someone's that small can do that in the playoff series when everyone's geared toward him. I mean, what happens? What happens if it's the fourth quarter of a of a Celtics Cavs playoff game, and the and the and Ty, Ty Lue says, "All right, LeBron, go guard Isaiah Thomas." What's Isaiah Thomas going to do then? I don't know, but he hasn't been stopped all year. No, he's a really good regular season player. He hasn't shown anything in the playoffs yet, and that's not fair because it's ten games. I think ten games in which he in which he was the underdog each time, right? Like the those Celtics teams sure weren't supposed to win either of those series. And he played like he he played hard, but he he's not a good defender, and he didn't shoot well enough to make up for it on the other end. And so, why is it going to be different this time? Because they have Al Horford, because Avery Bradley's healthy, because you know Jay Crowder's shooting well this year. I mean, there are there are differences in the Celtics team, but we we're just assuming because Isaiah Thomas has been so good this season, like he was the last season, that he's that this is going to translate to the playoffs. And we don't really have any evidence that a guy that small can lead a team. You know, not just past the right. Like they should be able to get past the first round because they're going to play either what Detroit or Chicago or Miami or one of those teams. But but once they get into the deeper, once you have to play Toronto or you have to play Washington or you have to play Cleveland, depending on you know where everything shakes out, why does it become different against those top tier teams? It's interesting. I mean, the brilliance of Brad Stevens is he seems to be able to put out the right five-man group, as bizarre as it might be at different times, and somehow never have their weakness exploited. So, you know, if you have Isaiah Thomas on the floor and somehow he never seems to be in the position where he ends up having to defend, or Marcus Smart on the floor never seems to be in the position where he has to shoot. And I wonder, right. does, does that fall apart when you get into the playoffs and teams are really just so zeroed in on you in that fashion, in that same, that same fashion. I mean, the, the the interesting kind of number on Boston is their close game play this year, and everyone talks about the brilliance of Brad Stevens, and maybe rightfully so. I think it's probably a little over the top anytime the not because of Brad Stevens, because actually I just believe whenever group think of the media get, gets going, it gets too far. Um, you know why they're so good? They're like the number one offensive rebounding team late in games, like. By a ton. Like, that's a really weird thing. Does that go away all of a sudden? I mean, I, I got to think, like, against uh, against teams who are who are game planning for it, it probably will, just because you get a lot of things taken away. I mean, it's one thing to face a team, uh, you know, on a random night in the regular season. It's another thing to, 
face them, you know, four to seven times in a two week period. And, and I just think that, you know, we've seen this in the past with, with the Hawks, like the Hawks a couple of years ago, this great regular season team. And then when it came down to, Oh, well this, you know, this Cavs team can kind of game plan for them. They took a lot away. I mean, they took a lot of that freewheeling, you know, up and down pace and space style. They took a lot of that away and made it real ugly for the Hawks. And, and, you know, we've seen that with D'Antoni teams in the past of they either have a huge drop off defensive rating or a huge drop off in offensive rating. Um, when, once they get to the playoffs and it, it, it's hard to kind of gauge, which is going to be, which, but it's, it's one or the other each time his team gets to the playoffs. And so is, is Brad Stevens and this specifically this Boston team going to fall into the same trap of that? I think it's just much easier to deal with them in a seven game series than it is in the regular season. And even the trend I was talking about there, if I remember correctly, um, on the offensive rebounding late in games, they, their first teams have caught on to it a little bit. I think they're now, they're now, uh, they were number one in the league for a while in offensive and defensive rebounding late in games, um, particularly really you know close games. I like I don't like the just so people know when I'm talking about clutch. I don't um, I don't like the stat within five with five because I've seen way too many times that teams are down eight or down you know down twelve and they get it down to five, but it's really never a close game. And then that goes into a clutch right. situation. So I use three points or less. In those situations, actually, since uh, Boston has now slid to second behind Utah, who's having an unusual um, high rate because of Rudy Gobert, and they, since the uh, All-Star break, it's as those teams were like, oh, wow, like they figured that out. Like That has changed a little bit, so we're already seeing that trend maybe going. But there, Boston is 26-13 and 13 this year in games are within three points with five or less minutes to play. 26 and 13. Yeah, and Isaiah Thomas has been, you know, kind of impossible to stop in those situations, right? Like he either gets fouled or he's just a a very pure shooter at this point, which makes me wonder, you know, if you can lock in on him, at what point does that tip in his favor to where he can exploit? Is he going to pass enough to, to make the defense uneasy? I mean, I just think there are a lot of decisions he normally doesn't have to make that he'll have to make and not, and not that he can't accomplish that. It's just, we don't see a ton of, of him being forced into something he doesn't necessarily want to do first option. So if you've listened to Locked on NBA, you've heard me talk about Indochino. Have you yet gone to Indochino.com? Or have you visited one of the showrooms? Please do it. Indochino is making it easy to get a perfectly tailored suit at an incredible price. You get to choose from hundreds of top-quality fabrics, personalize your suit just the way you want it, whether it's for work or wedding, special occasion. Like, I, you know, that's what I wear to games. Uh... Indochino suited up hundreds of thousands of men, and now the largest made-to-measure menswear brand in the world. It's so much better than the generic off-the-rack stuff. In fact, I'm getting to the point now where every time I go in my closet, I hate everything I have that hasn't been measured to me because it just feels droopy and long and off and a little too big here. It's too small, frankly, sometimes late in the season. So Indochino.com gives you this incredible experience. You pick your fabric, you choose your customizations, and then you're through it, and then you're like, well, what about this? And then you go through this extensive measuring process that tells you how detailed they are. You wait a few weeks, and it arrives. Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, and the checkout locked, entering locked when you check out on your promo code. $389 for a premium suit. 
and free shipping. Make sure you do it today. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Indochino.com. Promo code LOCKED. By the way, in late game situations, as I'm calling them, within three in the final five minutes, back to the team we were talking about before, Washington's the number one offense in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, John Wall and Bradley Beal just pick you apart. And John, I, John Wall is, is so good, and his jumper is, is pretty good enough at this point. And, and I, you know, you wonder, can will Iman Shumpert be in there for Cleveland against, against them trying to hound him? And, and where do you throw Kyrie defensively in those situations? Um, if, if they're go, you know, can you, can you throw J.R. Smith on him? I mean, there are just a lot of questions that, uh, that I think you want to, you want to force Cleveland, especially with them reeling defensively, you want to force them to make, but I just kind of feel like, I don't, I don't know. Do you believe in that a team can just flip the switch? Because we've seen it a couple of times over the last 20 years where a really good team that was struggling defensively does like just flip that switch when the playoffs come. I don't know that the Cleveland team is, is that, but maybe they're talented enough to not have to. So why aren't they? Let me, let's back. Can we go there first? Like instead of, can I, I want, I want you to prove to me that they're not rather than prove to me they can. I think they've earned the right that they've already, like, why would you believe this team's not that good? Uh, I mean, just because they, they've played a ton of minutes and over the last three, se- or, you know, almost three seasons now, and that wears on guys and defensively, they are a mess right now. Now that doesn't matter a month from now, but, but at least right now, like they're not, they're not building towards that great style of play that I think you want to be building towards as the playoffs approach. So you probably don't have this app on your phone because I actually think if you were single, this might be the worst app ever on a phone. Um, <laughs> and if you're married and have children, it's like the greatest app ever on your phone. It's called Time Hop. And what it really does is it's supposed to send me every um, picture that I took on this day, you know, eight years ago or whatever, and then I can send it out to my kids. Be like, oh, look how cute you were. And, like all that cute stuff, right? But I actually use it for that, and I have it send me every tweet. And it was a year ago today I did a Locked on NBA episode with one of our scouts, and one of the lead topics was like, uh, should we be concerned about what's wrong with Cleveland? Well, I mean, it worked out because Draymond Green, Draymond Green couldn't stop kicking people, right? Right. I mean, that's really like why they won. No, not to discount anything, but no, like no it, was, question. it was a fluke. They capitalized on the fluke, but it was it was kind of a fluke. Uh, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think it's the most untalked about story. I think the I think Kevin Dur- the brilliance of Kevin Durant going to Golden State is that and and I've heard Steve Kerr in, in interviews. Uh, I've heard Bob Myers in interviews. They all they're all fabulous about. You know, we understand we wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Draymond. Okay, maybe it's really true. I'm not inside that locker room. I'm, uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But had, had they not signed Kevin Durant, the entire preseason would have been reporters asking, how do you feel about the fact that Draymond cost you a championship? Yeah. That question never got asked. And it's yeah, I mean, that, finally that, circled around that enough. Article, that article, I think it was in October, by, by Ethan Strauss for ESPN, like, kind of perfectly encapsulated everything about that whole Draymond Green experience, whether, you know, that side of it liked it or not. Like, that's a lot of what you hear around the league. It was exactly what he reported. All right, so let's go to the Warriors, because I was talking with someone who I trust a lot in this league. I've, I don't know him great, but I've gotten to know him, and I, I can, you know, you talk to people, you know who they're bright, and this is a guy inside the league. And I understand the Warriors have won seven straight, and I understand they're going to be 16 and 14 when they win their next game. I got it. He thinks the disease of me 
is eating away at them a little bit. You buy it? I buy it. I mean, I don't know that it sinks them, but uh, but I buy that it's there because you know Draymond is that kind of guy. Now that that he's also the kind of guy who uses that to fuel him and to be this unbelievable player and to be you know kind of a uh, a leader on the court in the sense of he will rattle some cages and kind of get guys back into a mindset. Now that's that's a you know kind of a tricky balance because there is a delicacy that has to come with it. And I wouldn't say Draymond's the most delicate person, you know, when it comes to, to relating to players, teammates, whatever. But I do think that they kind of tiptoe that line and they, and they did it last year of, of showing out and showing up opponents and, you know, celebrating things and still being able to dominate. And the, you know, the absence of Kevin Durant kind of puts more pressure on them to still perform because they still have to have this aura that, that fuels them of we are better than everyone and we are going to show you why. I find it very interesting that everybody thinks Kevin Durant's going to be okay when he comes back. Maybe everyone doesn't. I, that's a, it, I, 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 think, I mean, I, I think that you know, you talk about a team like the Clippers or the Jazz who are probably going to face them in the second round, right? You know, I think, I think that's exactly when you want to face them before we find out if Kevin Durant's okay. So I, because it's probably going to be a couple of weeks. The NBA playoffs are about around the corner. Huge games coming up. Fun summer concerts right around the corner as well. And the answer to all of them are SeatGeek. In fact, my daughter has become a huge fan of Hamilton, the uh, music. And so Hamilton's coming into town. And so I'm actually going to try to use SeatGeek to get me Hamilton tickets. That's It tells you. They just do it all. Here's why SeatGeek is the best. One, because SeatGeek... First off, more so than anything else, is compiling all of the various ticket places at once. And so I don't have to, if I'm looking for the Hamilton tickets, so let's say I want to go to the April 13th show at Eccles Performance Center, and I, I look, I don't have to go search every single one of the different uh, places out there. I get, They tell me where, where the tickets are from. Some are from SeatGeek, some are tickets, all these places. Then... They give me a seating chart that tells me which of those tickets are the best. In other words, every single ticket gets a ticket score. So if I wanted to try to really, you know, pamper my daughter, I would go out to the Richard Rogers Theater in New York, and I would pay $1,567 to see – no, I wouldn't. I would never do that. But that right there, the $1,306 sheet has an 86 Ticket score, that's the best price you can get for Hamilton in New York right now if you want to see it on March 28th, which is today, which would be really weird because I'm in Utah. And why would I want to do that? But that's how it works. So first, they compile all the tickets from all the areas. Number two, SeatGeek gives every ticket a ticket score. And number three, it's secure. It's on your phone, and you are you have it. And that's the best part about it. It's easy. It's it gives you education, it gives you information, and then if you use the promo code LOCKED, you end up with a $20 rebate sent back to you at the end of your purchase. Can I give a suggestion? Go find something cheaper than Hamilton. Go to a ball game. Go to a Supercross. Go see Chance the Rapper. I don't know, but it's all cheaper than Hamilton, so do that. I covered Rudy. Rudy Gobert did the exact same MCL sprain, uh, actually with a player falling on his leg in practice. Really very similar, okay? They, and, and according to the reports, the same grade. And I cover the 
and with the Jazz. And so one thing is I became obsessed with all other players who had MCL grade one sprains. And so I talked to Marcus Gasol for a long time who had it the year before. And having talked to Marcus Gasol that year and talking to Rudy Gobert now, or then, and now in retrospect with Rudy Gobert, they all relayed the same thing. One, it never felt right. Two, it was never linear. And because, and what I mean by that is one day you felt good, two days you felt bad. Three days you felt good, four days you felt bad. One day you felt good, three days you felt bad. And because it was never linear, you never trusted it. And if you watch Rudy Gobert right now, he's gotten a lot better with his hands. I think one of the reasons he's gotten better with his hands is because he trusts his legs. But last year, yeah. he never could set his foot after that MCL sprain and hold off a rebounder. Okay, so you can tell me that Gasol and Gobert play down low and they're different than Durant, but you're telling me Durant's going to give me that Euro step on a leg he doesn't trust? Well, even even if he, even if it's not in those situations, I mean, I actually think he'll be fine offensively because he is such a great catch-and-shoot player and you can run so much that makes him a catch-and-shoot player with that Warriors team. For me, it's defensively. Because he was such an important defender. And I know since his injury, Draymond has gone nuts, and they've been the number one defense in the league since his injury. And there's a lot of noise in that. But, you know, that's kind of what everyone's talking about. Like, oh, defensively, they'll be fine. Not if they have a guy on one leg trying to trying to cover up for things that Draymond can't cover up. Because he can't cover up everything, right? And so before, Kevin Durant was helping him cover up all those things. He was hedging over. He was playing pick and rolls great. He was using his length. He was protecting the rim. But is he going to have that – you know that explosiveness, that balance, that that confidence in his leg defensively in these playoff games. I don't. I, I think that's where they suffer the most, and I think that's where they need him the most. Not not on offense, even though he's you know maybe the third best scorer of all time or whatever we want to call him. Like I think it's because defensively he's not going to be the same player, and I don't know if they're going to be able to handle that. It's interesting. He was probably my MVP when he got hurt because he was great. I mean, he was real. Like you look at his numbers, his numbers and his impact are just incredible. And I think defensively. He had taken care of the one weakness we were all worried about with the Warriors, which was rim protection. It's great. I got I got Draymond's a better defensive player than he is in some ways, but I thought Durant was the key, to, and they've been great since. So there's a lot to what you're saying, but I thought he was, had just changed who he was defensively as well. So I, I'm ba- I back up a lot of what um, you know. I guess you know they play coming up here tomorrow, and maybe we'll learn a little something in that game. Probably not. We didn't learn anything when they played each other all those games last year that we hyped up. So uh, let's go to right. the, let's go to the Spurs who are. Uh, remarkably good, and uh, again, and I didn't, and I'm, I will admit, I did not like them when the season started. I mean, I liked them. I thought they'd win 50, but I didn't think they'd win 64 or 5, whatever, 60, whatever they can do. Uh, I cannot, I could not get out of my head that at halftime of game two last year against the Oklahoma City Thunder, I might have actually texted Pelton. I texted somebody, and I said, Remember the Spurs, if you don't, if you remember, the Spurs had that incredible shooting for game one. They blew the Thunder out. And in game two at halftime, I remember I texted someone and I said, the Thunder are going to win this series in five. And I was probably being overly dramatic. They're bigger, stronger, quicker at every position. And I just wonder whether that happens to the Spurs again. That they get into one of these series and the team they're playing is just bigger, stronger, faster, quicker at every position again. Yeah, I mean, funny enough, I I have something for Wednesday on the Spurs and kind of my concerns on them, and it's a lot to do with their backcourt, which I think that's that's where the, everything stems from with what you're talking about in terms of being 
bigger, quicker, stronger. Um, you know, I don't trust Tony Parker at this stage in his career. I don't trust Manny Ginobili consistently at this stage in his career. And I think Patty Mills is a really good backup, but I think they end up asking him to do too much. And so those are three key players that I think can get overwhelmed, you know, obviously depending on the playoff opponent. But if they face Houston in the second round, I really think that that's, a, that's just such a bad matchup for them because, yeah, you can put Kawhi on James Harden, and that's great. Like, But but what you want to do with James Harden is, is make him a scorer and take away his passing, right? And I think that putting Kawhi on him actually has the opposite effect where you use more of that motion, use more of those shooters. And, and I don't think those guys can cover on the perimeter. And then once they're compromised on the perimeter with Parker or Ginobili or, or Mills or whoever – then that's when Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge get exposed the most because they can't cover really anything unless it's right at the rim. And so that's where I think like they, they end up getting picked apart in a playoff series. Now that could end up looking completely stupid because it is still the Spurs and it is Popovich, but I'm with you. Like, I don't know that, you know, aside from Kawhi and whatever he can do, I don't know that they have an advantage anywhere else because if I'm an opponent, I want LaMarcus Aldridge trying to beat me. Right. And I'm going to make the comment that people will rail on here. I know they've won the titles, and I'm not discrediting, and, I'm, and I know Pop is great. I'm not discrediting. Their system is amazing. But they also have lost a tremendous amount of playoff series when they're favored. I think it's five of them in about the last wow. six, seven years, eight years. Like, they won a finals in there, but last year they were, favor- they were the, the better seed, and they lost. The year before, they were the better seed and lost. So there is possibly some discussion – of whether or not, um, I think in 2011-12, when they were 50 and 16, they had the number one seed, and they um, they lost in the conference finals. In 2010-11, they were 61 and 21. They lost in the first round. They were definitely the higher seed than I think it was Memphis got on that year. In 2009-2010, they were 50 and 32. They lost in the Western Conference semifinals. If I recall, they lost to a better seed. That they, they their system is so great, and I'm trying to make sure I phrase this correctly, that there is a chance it inflates how good they are in the regular season because that system is better than what anyone else is able to put together. Oh, absolutely. And I I think that that's where I talked earlier about how certain teams are regular season teams. The Spurs are certainly boosted in the regular season because you just can't deal with their execution on random nights in the NBA. Right. Right? I mean, they are are so disciplined and so hard to – to deal with when you're on, you know, a third game in, in four nights, or you know, a four game in fourth game or five nights, or back to back or whatever, um, or you're just tired in January, you're just tired in February, waiting for the All Star break. Like all those games, their execution, their discipline just destroys you. You can deal with it a little easier in the playoff setting because you know, and now Pop can make it, you know, make adjustments and and try to expose some of your weaknesses. But it does it does kind of lend itself to be easier to handle. Uh, when you know that you're locked in against them for the next seven games, take a—I don't, you know—if you've already done your fan rag piece and you've already done it, but take a take a look at that. That's a—I think it's a worth. I know it's like you, you're dancing around criticizing pop, which is just means you can't do it. But and right. they've won and they've gone to the finals twice in that span. But I believe in every other year, so 2008, 2009, 2009, 10. So of the, I believe in seven of the last nine years. Uh, maybe, maybe six of the last eight. They've lost in the playoffs to a team that was a not as good regular season team than them. That's 
I don't know. To me, that's like that's newsworthy. I would say. I don't think I'm making something up right there. No, I mean it's not nothing, right? Right. Like yeah, that is that, that is something. That's the, you, you said it better than me. It's not nothing. I, I don't know entirely what it is, and I'm and I'm right. And I'm not ballsy enough to go out and you know put a, be critical of pop because that seems stupid um, when you have that many titles and everything you're doing. So I I think that that you know we'll leave it that. What is your take on the Clippers? I actually went back. We we fly today, and I went back to grab the Howard Back piece. We're just going to promote everybody but Fan Rag Sports today. Um, <laughs> sorry, Keith, um, and the crew at Fan Rag Sports. Uh, uh, John Heyman, Major League Baseball coverage, uh, unparalleled at Fan Rag Sports. Zach Harper, unparalleled NBA coverage at Fan Rag Sports. Okay, uh, I went back. I grabbed the Howard Back piece uh, for. That he did that kind of deep dive on the Clippers last year, like what? They beat the Jazz. They they lose an eighteen point lead with five minutes left. I talked to everybody there. Like one of the main questions is, do they believe they can win? And if they don't believe they can win, then is this why we just see this kind of malaise over them? What's your feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think there. Where is, they are. I think there is just this. There's just this slog of, of. You know, we have to go through this again. I mean, that that has to be mentally exhausting to know. And we we beat the Spurs, and then we run out of gas against the Rockets, and Josh Smith inexplicably beats us. Right? Josh Smith. Not just they lose. Josh Smith and Corey Brewer basically sink their season in a in a playoff series. Like, what are the odds? What are the odds of those two players in in what was it 2015 accomplishing that? And then they come back, and it's like, all right, well we're pretty good we know we have to get to the playoffs and prove ourselves and chris paul breaks his hand and the tendon in the leg for blake griffin you know is bad again and now they're they're done they lose to portland in the first round because of the injury and at a certain point it's just got to be what do we have to do to have what they feel is a fair shake and and i think that's the defeating part is they feel like we can't get a fair shake or or good luck in the playoffs and at that and if you're just expect like at a certain point i think it's just human nature to expect that to happen again. And so if you were just trying to fight through this regular season and get to the playoffs so you can prove yourself again, but you still have that cloud hanging over you of like, well, man, I wonder what it's going to be this time. That's just got to be mentally exhausting. And I think that, you know, I think J.J. Reddick has alluded to that on, on his podcast. Let's promote another thing here. That's kinda, yeah, actually, but that's, that uh, podcast has been a- so dead for so long that it's, you can promote it all you want. Like, they're, they're, there's right, exactly. seven months. <laughs> But coming this off season, check out that JJ Reddick right. podcast. Uh, but I think that there's just there, you know, there is that kind of idea of, of man, what's it going to be this time? And I, you know, I've I've kind of believed that they should just keep it together and keep running it back, and maybe you get a, you know, they don't have a Dirk Nowitzki, but maybe you get that that 2011 Dallas Mavericks moment where everything just clicks and you get the right chemistry and you get the right mix of of luck and and good fortune and and just good play. Uh, but but I don't know, man. I, also, at a certain point, like it may just end up being disappointment after disappointment. You can't escape it. What uh, you know? You talk about flipping the switch. Like I was interviewing Doc Rivers this year. He blatantly, basically, blatantly just said that we're going to flip the switch. I asked him literally. I, I said at the beginning of the year, you said to me when we saw you. I think we saw them on on October thirtieth, and I said I said we saw you in October. 
thirtieth. And you said to me at the time, I asked you what the personality of your team was this year, and you, it was exactly what you were talking about. Zach. He said, "We have, we have a." They were all excited, right? It's preseason. It's the preseason's over. Everything's perfect. And we have this. We were robbed last year. Everybody feels we were robbed last year, and by the injuries, and we're ready. And I said to him, "Do you still have that?" And his answer was, "We will for game one." Like. It was the most blatant coach ever saying, by the way, don't worry about it, we'll just flip the switch. Do you buy that this group has a chemistry that can flip a switch? Uh, no, but it may still happen anyway. I mean, what's funny is that, you know, if we're going by the first 20 games being right. indicative of, what, of, of what's going to happen, this team was unreal defensively. Now, they haven't really shown a whole lot of that since those 20 games, but they were unreal defensively, and they looked like that team that was, you know, attacking the regular season instead of trying to just get through it. And I do wonder if they had, if they, I mean, we saw that in the first 20 games. Will we see that again once we get to the playoffs? And, and I think, I think Chris Paul can, can galvanize that within a team, but he's also very capable of overdoing it to the point where everyone starts hating each other, right? Like we've seen, we've seen that a few times. And, and I still think like, and I don't know that Doc Rivers has the adjustments to make in a playoff series anymore. Uh, but I do think like a lot of that, a lot of that stuff should be run through Blake Griffin once you get to the playoffs. But I just think he's the guy you have to ride, and whether you think he's good enough or not, it, it's a. I just think it's a better formula than trying to have six foot one Chris Paul, you know, just overusing him time and time again until he becomes less and less effective. All right, th- I'm so eager to like about this because this is like the question that I have about the Clippers that I think is just I can't wait to watch it. I may see it in person for all I know. If they fall behind two games to one in the playoff series, or if they're down three games to two, do do we see the greatest fight? Particularly if it's let's say it's first round. Let's let's go Utah Clippers first round. Jazz head, hold the home court, which seems unlikely, but let you know something. And somehow the Jazz are up three games to two. Do we see the greatest fight? ever out of this group because they know if they lose in the first round they are going to be completely broken up it is over they are not being it is not being brought back together and their run which they thought was a championship team is it's it's on the it's 48 minutes away from being done like or if they fall behind 2-1 are we going to see this unrelenting performance or are we going to see the exact opposite and i have no idea I lean towards, I think you do see that fight. I think the dangerous part for them is if they're up 3-1 or they're up 3-2 and they have to close it out. I think that's when the doubt and the lack, not lack of fight, but I think that's just when second guessing and, and all of the, that cloud hanging over, I think that's when everything comes up. I think if they're down, I think that's ideal for them because I think they, I think they're the type of team that will go out fighting. I think, and I don't want to call it choking. I just think, you know, for whatever reason, some teams, some players, they just end up getting in their own way. And so much of life is just learning how to not get in your own way. And I think that's when, if they're up 3-2 in that series, that first-round series against the Jazz, I think that's when they're in trouble. Interesting. All right, let me ask you a final few questions. Just players, uh, I don't want to do the whole awards thing. I actually think I'm going to do it with Nate Duncan here, and we're going to do a dual podcast at some point. Uh, Where would you vote Rudy Gobert on your NBA ballots? Um, for all I NBA, start, I started thinking about it last night. I, it's hard to make a case for anyone other than him for all NBA first team center, right? Wow, uh, he's been he's been he's been that good 
and I'm and I think Marcus Hall's had a good season. I think DeAndre Jordan's had a really good season. But outside of him, like who is it? You know who's who's been the best? Who's been the best center in the league? I think it's him. I don't, I don't think there's any question he's been the best center in the league for the last twenty five game twenty games. And the question is whether does that get you the whole season? You know, does that get you first team All NBA? Well, I mean, it's not like he was a, some scrub in no, the first right? you know fifty games. I mean, he was he was he was really good then. It's just he's taken his game to another level. The comment I make about him right now when I get asked by other broadcasters is: every night I leave the arena thinking he was better than when I walked in. Yeah, and he's done that for about twenty straight games, and that to me is just truly remarkable. All right, you mentioned him earlier, John Wall. Where does he go on your All NBA ballot? He's on my he's on my second team. All right, so who's your your first team guards? Is uh, is Russ and it's uh, James Harden. Right. So your second team guards are. I would have to go John Wall. And oh man, if Kyle Lowry hadn't gotten hurt, it would have been him. About, I guess I got to go Isaiah Thomas. What about but I don't Steph feel good Curry? About yeah, I mean it's either Steph or Isaiah. It's I gotta guess be Steph. Point, they're fifty nine. They're fifty nine and fourteen. Doesn't have to be Steph. What's that? They're fifty nine and fourteen. Doesn't have to be Steph. It doesn't have to be Steph. I mean Isaiah's been Isaiah's had a great regular season. Um, but yeah, I mean, either one, I would probably lean towards Isaiah just cause he's had to do a little bit more, but, uh, but if you put Steph over him, I wouldn't have a problem with that. So Clay Thompson does not make all NBA guards. Um, well, can Clay, Clay and Steph could be the third team. Then you're bumping Kyle Lowry off all Who NBA teams. Yeah. I mean, the injury, what position, you know, what position it's does, not, it's not fair, but the injury kind of takes him off. He what too position much time. does DeMar DeRozan play? Uh, uh, I mean, he's been he's been really good. I still would I would pick Clay okay. over him. And Damian and CJ McCollum get no love. Uh, yeah, I don't think Damian was that good the first half of the season. Okay. No, I'm just. I mean, I'm not criticizing. I, it's more of a statement yeah. of where the the. T- what about Chris Paul? Uh, I he missed too much time. I think just too much time, which is probably convenient. Uh, so the, just for this the, conversation, but he but he should be he should be up in the conversation too. I mean, it's 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 insane, right? I mean, Steph Curry, who's the back to back two time MVP, whose statistics this season are almost, if I'm correct, unless it's changed, the exact same as they were his first MVP year, right? Yeah, I think they're pretty close. Is close to now being thought of as a third team All NBA guard? Like that is insane. It is insane. That's I mean, that's the kind of season this is set. Steph Curry is shooting a little less well than he did his MVP season, actually considerably less. He's, he's, he's having a career low in three-point percentage. He's 40%. That is the most awesome statement of the day. That is so great. He's averaging more points per game than he did in his MVP year. Um, but he's, he's down his effective field goal percentage. No, yeah, his effective field goal percentage is down from 59 to 57. Gosh. 50. And his assists are down. From from that first MVP year, yes. So he's yeah he's not quite the but it's, it's the it's stunning really uh, the level of quality we're seeing and you're right the injuries have actually probably made this a little bit of an easier discussion. Uh, Mike Conley probably thinks he deserves to be in that conversation somewhere with the Grizzlies being you know six games over 500. So we'll just mention it to give him 
you know, at least Mike Conley is the player has to be mentioned on the backside of all All Star and all NBA team conversations. Yeah. But I will also he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be one of the all time leaders in All Star snubs. But I will also by, say by over. I actually don't think he's everyone talks about him as the most underrated player in the league. I actually don't think he is. I think that's the perfect spot for him. I think that's exactly where he should be because being All NBA or being an All Star is incredibly hard, and so he's perfect yeah. right there. That's that, that's exactly almost, where he almost, should be. Almost every year we have sixteen guys who deserve All Star selections in the West. And they're only 12 spots. Right. And he just he's one of the guys that hasn't cracked it. And then Damian Lillard the last two years hasn't been able to crack it, right? Yeah, by the it's way. Just, it's hard to make it. There's a Washington Wizard fan who's going to be telling you that Bradley Beal should be on that list of guards too, by the way. Just. Uh, I, think he, I think he's just outside those guys. The, one that, uh, the forward one gets interesting too, by the way. LeBron, Giannis, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Draymond. Draymond. And then I believe it comes down to, unless I'm forgetting someone, Gordon Hayward, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and the mammoth impact on Paul George and Gordon Hayward financially on that decision is stunning because I do think Paul George or Gordon Hayward probably should get it over Jimmy Butler. And it's stunning, the financial impact of what that answer is. Yeah. Well, I would go Gordon, Butler, George in that order if you're trying to decide between you know between those three for one of the final spots, I I think it, I think Paul George is actually the lowest on that list. Where are you, Anthony Davis plays what position? He's a forward. Well, then they're, 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 none of them make it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, because we just did it. So it's Kawhi Leonard, Anth- Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Draymond Green. LeBron. LeBron. Oh, sorry. LeBron fifth. I just lost my head. Um, <laughs> and who else? We said it earlier. We, I've said somebody else. Oh, KD? Oh, yeah. Kevin Durant. Six. Yeah, so none of them, so yeah. none of them get that. So none of them have a chance to get that. Unless, unless people roll through positions in funky ways, and I don't know how they're going to do the voting. But I'm not going to vote, so I'm fine. All right. Thank you. Always a pleasure. That's really fun. Thank you. I think, Always great. You know what? Just between me and you, way, way better than Pelt. Way better than Pelton. Way, oh, way, way better. better. Way, and way better. no offense to the Pelton cast, which I know he likes, but yeah. uh, and, you know, and I know he does religiously, but probably better than the Pelton cast as well. Oh, I don't know. He might have just pushed it way too far. <laughs> I tend to do that. Thanks so much to Zach Harper. Super fun. Today's show brought to you by Indochino. Promo code LOCKED on the checkout gets you uh, half price off a premium suit as well as uh, – today brought to you as well by our friends at SeatGeek, promo code LOCKED. Do remember our other sponsors as well in case you've forgotten them. Blue Apron. We had great Blue Apron this week. That promo code is LOCK, L-O-C-K-N-B-A, L-O-C-K-N-B-A for you. WarbyParker.com slash LOCKED for your five glasses. Try it at home. I've got a new one coming to me. So support that sponsor as well. We do seriously uh, appreciate them very, very much. And I appreciate you for the five-star reviews and the support of our sponsors. That's how we get you this free. This is how we keep doing it. And I thank you for taking the time to support our sponsors of Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from NetSuite. NetSuite lets you run your business from your phone so you can see what's going on with your company in real time. Go to netsuite.com slash podcast to get your free guide and find out why NetSuite is the last business system you'll ever need.